Hello, and welcome to Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics. This is episode four. It was filmed on Sunday, January 23rd, once again over Zoom. In this episode, we talk about a moral quandary that Julian was uh, experiencing. We get to the bottom of it as a team, and really realize some deep truths about uh, being a human person in the world today. We also talk about the When We Were Young Festival, which is a music festival happening uh, in October of this year, 2022 in Las Vegas. And then we review some albums by the Mamas and the Papas, Steely Dan, um, a song by the Nightshades, which is a local uh, band in Fort Collins, Colorado, and an album by The Armed. Um, If you like this podcast, and why wouldn't you? It's great. Uh, please help us out by subscribing and leaving a five-star review wherever you may listen. Um, additionally, if you really like this podcast, you can give us your money. Um, we would love to have your money. You can donate it to us. Uh, it, the link is in our bio. Um, no pressure or anything. It would just it would help out. You know, Anyways, um, that's enough for me. Um, I feel weird for bringing up money. You don't have to donate, obviously, but you know we we do this for free. Um, put it out for free. You're enjoying the content, obviously. You're listening to it right now. Um, but no, don't don't give us your money. It's okay. It's okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, let's go to the episode. I hope you enjoy it. See you on the other side. Bye. Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics. Hello. Oh, he's clean, clean shaven, Julian. Clean, clean, so fresh. It looks so good, clean. dude. Thank you. It was a huge fucking mistake. <laughs> to be no, completely no, honest, I, I like it. Sometimes you got. Like, yeah, it looks good. It wasn't a mistake, as in like I regret it. It was a mistake, as in I literally did it by accident. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh really? You shaved like yeah. one big chunk off? Yeah, I had a sleep? little. <laughs> yeah, I slept shaved for the first time ever. Yeah. Uh no, I actually just uh had a collision with my dog while I was in the middle of shaving. He just like ran into me <laughs> and like <laughs> made me take off half my mustache, which I've never I've never actually shaved my mustache before. So it led to like an immediate and severe like existential crisis where I was like, "Oh my god." Yeah. Oh, no. yeah, I didn't realize it was still that stupid fucking kid underneath. Like, hey guys, all these years. Hey, Cam. Hey, Cam. Hey, oh, Julian, you subjects. shaved. Oh, fuck you. You look good. It looks good. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, Julian, uh, I was gonna, I was gonna say you don't look as shockingly different as I thought you would without a yeah, beard. True. Like, you know, I noticed right away, but it's not like you look completely different. Well, um, I thought maybe i would start this week off with kind of a like little uh random story that happened to me this week that uh i don't know put me in like a little bit of a moral quandary and so i was wondering how you if you guys would react the same way or if if you would have reaction at all um i mean not to like rip off every other podcast too much but it's just like a little non sequitur that happened to me i was at a restaurant um and 
like a fast casual restaurant. I don't really need to say the name of the restaurant, but uh, I was right behind some dude who ordered and was clearly like in a hurry, but also in like a really bad mood. And it was like lunchtime. So the restaurant was kind of busy right by where I work. Like everyone's always going in and out. So um, after like five minutes of waiting, which is a pretty normal amount of time to like wait for food, he started like freaking out and like demanding his food or like an answer as to what was taking so long. And being behind him, I kind of wanted to just be like, hey, man, like, shut up. But like, I don't know. Is it my ethical job to like police the whole world? And when there's a douchebag, like call them out for being a douchebag. Anyway, this went on for like five more minutes and his food still wasn't ready. And he just like left without it. And I don't know. It made me really wish I would have. No. He just left. He was like, fuck this. Fuck you. And then he left. And it made me really want to like have said something to him. Just like, hey, man, chill out. But like, I didn't. Yeah, because he would have been like super <clears throat> aggro about it regardless. Yeah. It just felt like fighting fire with fire is not necessarily the answer. But also, mm. I don't know, man. Like, I work in service and I have to bite my tongue all day every day when people are like that so being on the other side of the counter i just want to be like hey man you have no idea what these people have to go through like and like they're not even like making you wait that long for your food you just expect everything to be delivered to you on a silver platter like instantly i don't know but at the same time i'm like too scared to ever actually say any of that out loud so i feel like there's just always going to be those people who just are douchebags for no reason. Like, I don't know. I, I think you did the right thing. Um, Cause I mean, those situations are tough and it's always hard to tell, but you always got to ask yourself, like, will my intervening help anything? Will it benefit anybody? And I feel like when you have someone who's just an aggressive douchebag like that, he's almost part of him saying that in the first place is him wanting other people like he just wants to start conflict and he also was like looking around like he wanted other people to be like uh, yeah other other people people should be getting mad too but like i don't know man no one else cares that's not my problem yeah so i don't but yeah if he's looking around for validation then perhaps maybe you'd be like nah dude you're a douchebag but i don't know even if that is the case i still think not responding is the right move yeah yeah because then you don't want to get in a fight with somebody in a restaurant you know if he was like berating if he was berating the employees like relentlessly like just yelling at like you know he was obviously being douchey towards them and making remarks but if he was like yelling at them over the counter then I think intervening is the right thing, but yeah, I, I guess it's just, it's like frustrating more than anything else that he'll probably go into his next interaction, whatever it is with like the exact same energy and mindset. And he won't like think twice about it. Whereas if I would have just been like, Hey man, chill, maybe he'd at least think twice (laughs) before being like a complete asshole to someone for like no reason. I kind of, I'm conflicted on that because 
I think there's, I think the term is fundamental attribution error. Where, like it's easy for us to look at the guy and be like, Oh, what a dick. Like when like in reality, he could have been having a bad day or be in a rush. And like, if we were in that position, then we, you know, want everyone to agree with us. Like, Oh, we're just trying to get our shit on time. But at the same time, if you're a 40 year old man and you're still acting like that in restaurants, like, what are you doing? Like you're old enough to know how to behave. You're probably old enough to have at least experienced a job in the food service industry. Or if not, you've gone to plenty of restaurants. And I agree, like even 10 minutes, that's an appropriate amount of waiting time for food. Like you want good food, you're going to wait. You want shit coming out of the kitchen? Like, no. (laughs) Yeah, that's always also been like, I mean, just being in service. Anytime someone asks me to make something quickly, it's always worse than if I make it you know, at a good mm-hmm. pace and I'm not like freaking out about the timeline. I've recently had a, a similar quandary like that, Julian. I was at a Walgreens by my house and this is the most eventful Walgreens I've ever been to. Every time I go there, <laughs> something ridiculous happens. There's always some sort of conflict or fight. Anyways, I, long story short, it ends, this altercation ends up with a screaming match between two very disgusting and homophobic women and two gay guys trying to check out oh no and um yeah it was horrible and it it escalated so quickly and um obviously these women were vile and disgusting just saying horrible stuff it was a long line a lot of people were there and i'm glad i had that thing for a second like should i or someone get in the middle of this and i'm glad at the end that no one did because those women were just looking, you know, to be ugly and spread hate and it would have just fueled the fire. I, yeah. Like half the time when people have outbursts like that in public, I think they're just looking for an escalated interaction and Mm -hmm. like giving them that satisfaction is in a way stooping exactly down to their level, which no one ever wants to do. No one ever wants to like be in the same boat as people like that. But I mean, at the same time, it just always, yeah, it brings back that same quandary that I had where it's like, okay, now if no one says anything, these people are just going to go straight into their next interaction with the same exact mentality. And like, I don't know, maybe do something even fucking worse. And maybe they'll piss off like the wrong people who will just have the wrong reaction. And like, I don't know. (coughs) Well, uh, I figured since it's a music podcast, I should also mention some music. Um, and basically the only thing that I've really been talking about with people music wise this week is this festival right here. Let me pull it up. You guys seen this yet? Oh, oh my God. This looks like <laughs> yeah. a, a scene a kids show. locker in middle it's school. It's literally <laughs> like, a, yeah, it's a fucking wet dream from like 10 years ago or maybe even longer. Depending. Oh on my God. How old oh, 303. <laughs> yeah. Just take a second to look at all the bands that, I mean, you didn't even realize were still bands. It's crazy. I feel like car seat headrest doesn't belong in this. And bright eyes is kind I of. I don't bad. associate them. Oh, bright eyes is in there. Bright Eyes is like one of the headliners. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, okay. sure. I miss that now. yeah, it's uh oh wow. No, it's it's oh, pierce the veil. Yeah, so would you guys go to this? <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> it's funny that, to see how, how many bands in this genre have really long names. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like some of these are just like more just phrases. Bring me yeah. the horizon, bro. Taking oh back my God. Sunday. Okay, yeah, yeah. Honestly, that's a great band. 
All right. So yeah, let's just I, take a sec to to like go through the bare bones of it. And then we can kind of dice decide which ones are are good and which ones we wouldn't really see. My chemical romance, right off the bat, like I don't know how much you guys follow the emo scene, but like I don't think my chemical romance has done anything in a really long time. And I don't know, like I thought they broke up. I don't really follow them that closely, but yeah. So that's crazy. And then Paramore. I love Paramore. I don't care what anybody says. Paramore is great. I and then too, like actually. AFI the used fucking bring me the horizon. I'm going to this without question. I'll stop you right <laughs> really? there. I, I'm going to this. And um I'm going for TV Girl and 303 primarily. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys, in all honesty, know 303 still was an outfit that like made music? I had no idea. I thought they broke up after the first album. <laughs> TV Girl just played about three weeks ago. At I know. I almost went to see them. I, I almost, almost went to see them too. Uh, yeah, one of my one of my a friend of mine went, and she said it was a good time. Oh, she said the venue was tiny. I just saw Mom Jeans on here for the first time. Oh uh, yeah, Mom Jeans. Yeah, and I mean, because I'm kind of a law dispute nerd, I know for a fact that they're going to be doing uh, the wildlife like 10 year anniversary for this show, um, which for a lot of dispute fans is is a crazy thing. Um, that's like a very pinnacle album for me as like an up and coming emotional teenager and yeah. bright eyes like. I mean, I, again, I don't know necessarily why they're on on this bill, but I love Bright Eyes as well for their own special reasons. And uh, me too. Bright Eyes is actually Julia's favorite band of all time. She's a oh no obsessed way. with Connor Oberst. Yeah, so Bright Eyes is on heavy rotation in my life. Okay, well, I've seen can- Connor Oberst a couple of times, but I've never seen Bright Eyes as a band perform. Wow, yeah, I had not seen this uh, announced. Yeah, I haven't seen this flyer. This is pretty cool. Okay, well, good, because I had, like, a, a, a B part to this, but then I thought that maybe there was a chance the internet ruined it and it wasn't going to be, like, funny anymore. But if you don't know about it, that's great, um, because the people that put this together, a Live Nation shout-out, obviously, they are the ones that put together the Astro World Fest. Um, <laughs> really no oh, so no. i kind of wanted to tangent into that by just saying like all of these post-hardcore and emo bands sharing like uh yeah three stages over like four days does not maybe seem like it will end well i just hope that live nation was paying more attention yeah. when they put this together so they go from astro fest astro world where there were what 13 deaths or nine deaths something like that and then they let's they say let's for our next venue let's bring in a hardcore pop emo bands we're <laughs> moshing and aggressiveness is just a collective theme of these bands very interesting choice on uh, live nations and it's going to be nations at some part. festival grounds which is like pretty much exactly what Astro well, World was. and not only some festival grounds las vegas festival grounds <laughs> and god be knows how bad has ever happened at <laughs> las vegas festivals yeah <laughs> They should so hire the Hell's Angels <laughs> 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 for security. 
I feel like maybe before I, a, a festival like this, not to be a huge like douche, but I feel like a festival like this before would maybe not sell out fully. But now I feel like there's no question that it's going to be like an instant ticket grabbing event. And, and also people are speculating about how good it's going to be on the internet way more because they haven't been to a festival like this in such a long time. But yeah, anyway, that's pretty much it for the one we were young festival. Uh, it did kind of lead me into one more interesting or not maybe interesting, but just thing that I was thinking about, which is there's some bands who are just going on with full tours like right now or soon this year. There's some bands who have been like rescheduling or postponing tours for like a couple years and continue to do so. And I just wonder, like, at what point do some bands just say, like, fuck it, we're going to go on tour again? Because it kind of seems like that's really the defining factor these days is just bands' willingness to put themselves at risk to go on tour. I know you guys don't know either, but if you were in that position, I mean, what what would be the driving force? Is it do you err on the side of caution still or... I, I don't know, Julian. I went to um I went to Isaiah Rashad back in September, early September for my birthday. With me and a bunch nice. of buddies went. And we were a little bit worried about the Isaiah thing. The venue was small. So we were like, fuck it. And we had we 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 all made it back fine. But actually the illness wasn't what ended up being the worrisome because I got in like a small fight at the Isaiah Rashad concert that night. Cause oh, I was off to the side. I get I'm a tall individual and I, I don't want to cramp anyone else's night or ruin their night because I'm blocking the freaking the show. So I was off. <laughs> we, I was what? We were just talking about this today at my work. Just the fact that no matter what show you go to, there's always a tall douchebag standing in like the second row. Sorry, you can keep going now. <laughs> I was hey, the tall wait, 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 but I'm gonna jump in. That's so that's so unfair because tall people have the right to enjoy shows too. Yeah, I've you're gotten, right. Just do it from further back. No, I like being in the front row as much as anybody else. I, I get the right to. But Colin, yeah, you right. have to admit, brother, there's tall and then there's us. And we take up sunlight, dude. <laughs> I agree. We're entitled. We paid the same price. And I'm going to enjoy the ticket. I don't care. And I didn't care. This is a test. My story is actually a testament to me, not like to me agreeing with you, Colin, that we paid. But I do agree. Like, I'm kind of 50-50 with Julian, too, because, you know, like people... Like if you're gonna be up front, a little off to the side, it's okay. That's what I was yeah, doing. Yeah, I was conscious of it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, exactly. I think exactly. I'll redact. I'll redact my statement slightly. You guys are aware <laughs> of it, so that's great. I feel like there's always that one person who's like six five who has no idea that he's six five, who's just like, <laughs> yeah, or he like has his yeah. phone out the whole time, and it's just like, mm-hmm. come yeah. on, yeah. So, Try yeah, not to be but about mad it. respect to you. Yeah, guys. exactly. I like. I agree. Like. We paid the full ticket, but I tried not to be nauseous about it. And like, yeah, like when a, a guy our height, Connor and I is dancing around, jumping around, being an idiot, he's gonna knock someone over, he's gonna hurt someone, he's gonna step on some toes. Like, you gotta be spatially aware, which I was. So, to get to my story, I'm off to the side, I'm at Isaiah Rashad. I was pretty far, we got there early to get close enough to the stage. So, we were pretty close, but I was off to the side, and there was like a staircase, and I was maybe like five, six feet from that staircase. So, people could see pretty well where I was at. But some dumbass, not even exaggerating, five foot two maybe man and his girlfriend who's also like five foot two they were tiny people were standing right behind me 
And I kind of heard him like saying shit, but I didn't really like, care much to like turn around and like beef. I'm just trying to have a good night. And then my buddy Aaron, who was all drunk and rowdy, and he's like not like he he just was just goofing around. And it's a you know his Air concert. He starts kind of like pushing around, moshing a little bit. And I tried to get out because like I'm not gonna step on. I don't want to do that. But I got pushed and I got thrown around. And I got pushed into this uh, guy's girlfriend. And I was like, I turned around and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. And I tried to say I'm sorry. And he didn't like that. He just threw a drink in my face instantly. The second I turned around, he like kind of grabs my shoulder like this and throws a drink in my face, like a full ass alcoholic beverage. I was all sticky. I was wearing my glasses too, covered in kind of really. That's way too much of an escalation for that situation. I know. It really put a damper on my night. And it was my birthday party. I was a little drunk. So I, I grab him and I wind up. And I throw my first hit, I'm wasted, and I miss, and I punch my buddy Robert right in the shoulder, like, really hard. I was like, oh, shit. So I wind back again. And this time I grab the guy, push his girlfriend out of the way. And this is my first time ever being in a fight. I've never been in a fight. Actually, I wasn't in a fight, but I'll get there. So I push his girlfriend out of the way, and I grab him. There's a second round. We're looking at each other, and he's, like, deer in the headlight. Like, he realized what he's done. And he's, like, looking at me like this. And I'm, like, just winding back. And then the bouncer comes and grabs me right here, does this to me, and pulls me back. And he gets in my face and he grabs a little guy. And the bouncer's my height. He's maybe like here on me. He's really tall too. And he literally, he's literally holding the smaller guy by the top of his head. Funniest shit ever. And he goes, I saw what happened. You're okay. Just take a step back. I'll talk to you in a moment. So I stepped back and he kicked he kicked the guy and his girlfriend out for throwing the drink in my face. And he kicked him out. And he, he said, you have a good night to me and let me carry on with my night. But that was the story of it. I almost got in a fight at Isaiah Rashad. Anyways, to get back to your original question, Julian, <laughs> and, My apologies. And, and stop this cam story out. Now I'm checking. <laughs> Good story. Good story. I'm sorry. Um, about the, the the touring thing, something I've been thinking about, and I let me preface this by saying, I don't fucking know. I'm not a medical expert. I'm a fucking idiot. I barely look at the news, but it seems like now. It's kind of the time where it's like, if we can't start to get back to normal now, when is there going to be a better opportunity? Make your own decisions to go. Be responsible while you're there. Wear a mask. Um, you know, don't throw drinks as much as possible. Yeah, don't throw drinks. Um, uh, but yeah, and, and then the other part of your question, Julian. In recent months, I, you know, when thinking about like, should we be trying to get a show? I have had the thought like, maybe now is not the best time. Like, I don't know if I'd want to go to a show right now, honestly. But now it's getting to the point where I do feel angsty for us to start booking some shows and playing live again. And I think it's getting to that moment in time. But again, you know, I don't, you know, if medical experts um, disagree with me, I will step down from that opinion. <laughs> Yeah. Well, <clears throat> and some bands, I feel like just to like wrap up the touring thing, the bands that are can canceling tours or postponing tours still, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's still like definitely an admirable thing to do. Um, but, you know, when you postpone your show six months or eight months, I don't really feel like you're postponing it through a time when like this shit's going to be necessarily away it might be better it could also be worse in six to eight months so people just postponing shows by that short of amount of a time are just i don't know confusing me a little bit more and i feel like making the overall 
music scene like harder to navigate because it makes it harder to know like what the right thing is to do. I wish we could just all get on the same page and decide, hey, we're going to all tour again or, you know, let's all just wait till it blows over. Well, sick. Um, <coughs> this is the spot on my list where I have our album review section. However, I did have a question for you guys before we get into album reviews because I was asked this the other day. I thought it would tie in nicely. I was asked this question and I did not know how to answer it. The question was, how do you find new music? My answer consisted of uh, basically, A, I don't fucking know. B, playlists on Spotify or whatever streaming service you use. And then C, just whatever I happen to see on YouTube that looks funny or interesting in any way. Um, but really, at the end of the day, I can't tell you the last time I like purposely found an artist that was new because I was trying to find something new. So I was wondering, what about you guys? Do you guys try purposely to go find some new shit that you've never heard before, like when you listen to music or does it just find you? What's your method? Yeah, great question, Julian, because since we started doing the album reviews, I've had a little bit of a, a personal crisis being like, fuck, I don't listen to enough modern music. <laughs> like all that <laughs> 90% of my music I listen to is from the 1990s, probably. But um, yeah, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not too methodical about it. I am lucky. Often it's happened a couple of times where in my, you know, cause I do a lot of live sound gigs. So I've worked with bands who are on the road who I'll dig the music, but it's like the Maria's are kind of a big band now. And I was lucky enough to do sound for the Maria's like several years ago. So I've been following the Maria's since then. And then, um, um, the other thing I'll do is I find bands that I like who are on tour and I'll find out who's opening for them and go check out their music. Um, and that's introduced me to some cool artists, but yeah, I'm like back in the day, I was always reading like, you know, indie music blogs and looking up reviews for new albums. Um, but now it's those things I said, and yeah, Spotify and Apple music playlists primarily. I feel like, I don't know when I was like, just getting into like, actually like, beginning to appreciate and want to find new music and that kind of thing um that was i was pretty young probably like middle school honestly and i feel like that was you know right around when spotify and i remember like when pandora came out and it was like a big deal i remember like that was kind of like the, the beginning the very beginning of apple music so i would agree with you julian like when i first was like beginning to want to find new music that was right at the start of digital everything going digital but they kind of went to stop farther when like SoundCloud and TikTok came out and artists began to be able to get their music out there much easier and much cheaper and have this more kind of like general um, field in which they can release their music. And that was kind of what I feel like really changed things like the SoundCloud thing and all that. And that was, you know, that was all pretty recently. So I was definitely like old enough to be able to know how to find my music out, you know, <laughs> kind of learn what search filters I could apply and kind of find what music I wanted to find. But even then i feel like when i was finding new music to answer your question it was mainly just through friends like you get into your buddy's car and he's on aux and he's playing something you like you ask what it is 
or I guess the Spotify gives you like I'm on Spotify so that I use for my music that's my go-to and it gives you like the recommended artists like you make a playlist and then beneath that playlist there's about five tracks usually about five tracks uh, recommended you can like, refresh those so I'd say just the combination of like that it's very simple those two ingredients to find the music but I found if hundreds if not thousands of new artists and new songs just through those two things and I can thank Papa Wax my brother up here you know he's always been a big musical inspiration throughout my whole life I guess the recent shit like this summer I was really introduced to like uh a lot of like pop funk like Dua Lipa and shit like that that um because like since I've been doing a lot of that sync music writing like I have to basically like they show you a song and they're like we need something like this so <laughs> you have to figure out like that style and a lot of times the song is like a real popular song um so i've been like fortunate to get introduced to like a bunch of random shit and it, a lot of it's really poppy but a lot of it is really fucking cool um this one tune that i got introduced to it's like um cheetah print or something cheetah print or i i'll have to look it up and send it to you guys later but it's just like it was used in so many sync placements and because it's like the perfect song for a commercial and but it's just a good song in general so yeah anyways i think it's uh it's kind of just dependent on i think and then also what colin mentioned too like itunes spotify playlists that you can just toss on and forget about everything and then just listen to a bunch of random shit like the weekly every friday like a new um update comes out and yeah so i've just been doing that but yeah i like the question though thank you julian yeah and actually it's kind of nice um you guys all pretty much have the same thoughts that i had about it which is using you know the tools that we have now spotify and, and all that jazz but also getting music from homies is is a big thing um i think i can say probably with confidence that like every band that i truly love now was a band that someone just showed me and was like you would dig this uh be it like a parent or a friend um so yeah i feel like sharing music is ultimately the thing that is the number one uh great communicator of, of 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 spreading the arts and so hey perfect segue into our album reviews um let's fucking share some music with each other all right well i'm not gonna lie boys last week i didn't come prepared my review was quite dog water if i'm to be honest this time good to go um so I'm actually kind of embarrassed though because the band the Mamas and Papas I like they have been under my radar and just this week since last podcast I've listened to a bunch of them so I figured it'd be good to um, cover their their first album. Uh, so Mamas and Papas I'm sure you guys know a lot about them uh, more than I had but I did my did my research. Um, so the album I'm reviewing is if you can believe your eyes and ears it was Pop the Mamas and Papas first album 1966. Definitely, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of most listeners, their best. And honestly, what most of you as their last, because they were only um, officially together from 66 to 69 before shit went off the wall with their band, unfortunately. 69. 
Thanks for that, Colin. I thought that'd be more of a Keaton segue. <laughs> but um, so um, where was that? Uh, anyways, yeah, like uh, some of their uh, most famous songs, some of my favorites, like off that album, uh, Monday Monday, California Dreaming, Go Where You Want to Go, Spanish Harlem. Those were all off um, Eyes and Ears from '66. Uh, fantastic songs. Honestly, timeless. Like I still listen to them. And the band itself, as far as musical consistency goes, and the uh, um, what they're willing to play around with instrument, instrument, uh, instrumental, and vocally, it's very static. Like it's a very static band, and, but it works unbelievably well. Like the way all of their voices, these four members, come together, is unlike anything I've ever heard. So, um, what kind of drove the band apart? They reached fame very quickly in '66, '67. And then um, the two kind of the heart of the band was married couple at the time, John Phillips and Michelle Phillips. Um, I would like to uh, reiterate they were married. Uh, the other members were Denny, Denny DeHerty, and uh, Cass, Mama Cass Elliott. And Mama Cass Elliott went on to probably become the most, I don't know if I'd say most famous, but definitely most influential of all the band members. And her music, as vocally, as far as her voice range goes, I'd say it was the best. She was an incredibly talented singer. But um, in the time in the 60s, obviously, um, there was the hippie movement going on. People wanted to break out and branch out from what was considered like typical and what you normally see in the music world. So um, they kind of pushed, despite like the hippie movement of wanting to like be edgy and like kind of be culturally aware, they definitely pushed Mama Cass, Mama Cass Elliott's abilities on the back burner because she was a heavier woman. She was an older white woman. So they never let her shine. And even now, if you go and rewatch um, Mamas and Papas live performances, Mama Cass gets no time on the camera. It's really sad because she was so talented. But um, as far as the album specifically goes, I just love every part of it. Like I said, the way their voices blend and harmonize is just so beautiful. And it really is a timeless thing. It's just a shame that you don't see that nowadays and so much auto-tune. And that's why I like our band. I feel like Keaton and Colin, you guys are very good singers. You don't need the aid of auto-tune and stuff to sound that that way but you don't hear you know four incredible singers coming together anymore uh, in such a way that was so influential but what really the sad part about their history their biography was i don't know how to put this out michelle phillips um john phillips wife had multiple affairs um, one was with Denny, the other lead singer of the band. She yeah, described her love as free love, and that a woman in the, of her stature, of her like, I think it was a, I don't know, I don't, don't want to, you know, obviously I don't know what was going on, but I assume you know she's just that free love thing, the hippie movement. Um, it was almost a, a way for her to experience and experiment sexually. So she slept with, um, as I said, she slept with um, Denny, of course, her husband John. And then she stepped with a member of the birds. I, I can't remember her. I'm going to try to find it real quick. She was oh, having an affair oh. with the birds also. <laughs> Not bird. Yeah. B-Y. R-D-S. It was Gene Clark. Gene Clark of the birds. But, and that's all we know. <laughs> but Michelle Phillips, unfortunately, really was the driving factor of this band splitting up. And it was a bummer that they couldn't make any more amazing albums after Eyes and Ears. Out of 10 Waxies, I give the album. I'm going to add in the element that that band could have been so much more than it was. And ironically, um, two years after that, I mean, uh, it could have been four or five, actually. I don't, I don't want to say it correctly. Don't quote me on this, but I don't know what year she died, but Mama Cass passed away very soon after that because she choked on a ham sandwich. 
Just like come on now. <laughs> it was that she was on drugs at the time too. But it was the ham sandwich that killed her, not the drugs. <laughs> but um, I just uh sorry to cut you okay. I just okay. heard a story um about mom big mama cass elliott that before they became the mamas and papas like right at the formation of the band they were rehearsing somewhere and uh a lead pipe fell from the ceiling and landed on her head and almost killed her i saw that too yeah i think that, yeah. that is a factual thing but she did. that was an, an, an unfortunate foreshadow of what was to come with her an, also unfortunate ham sandwich incident but and then john phillips died of an overdose uh, not long after and now michelle phillips is the last living member of the moms and puppets she's still kicking she's 80 um but yeah it's crazy that you know the woman who breaks the band up outlives them all but <laughs> um as i was saying i would add in the element that that album standalone was incredible what many would have thought was the first of a band to create a lot of good stuff and unfortunately that didn't work out so i'd give it i think i'd give it like a solid eight waxies i think a good eight out of ten um is a fair a fair review i just you know it's a bummer that they couldn't be more for me to review or to talk about but as far as a dramatic wildly influential band goes moms and papas is the goddamn epitome of <laughs> so uh yeah that's my album review that was really good dude thanks man i had to step it up from last from last time i'll go next if that's okay because this is i i think Mine might be, unless you guys did any albums from the 70s, chronologically the closest to Cam's. Um, so I just started reading a Steely Dan book called Major Dudes. It's like a Steely Dan compilation of several different uh, interviews with the band and reviews. So it's almost like a biography of the band, but told through uh, interviews and album reviews that you know, we written about the band in, in that time. Um, so I've always had a, a fascination with Sully Dan. Um, they're definitely one of the most bizarre rock groups, if you even want to call them that of all time. Um, so before I review that album, are you guys Steely Dan? Are you guys Dan fans, fans of the Dan? Gene no. says confetti. <laughs> yeah, Keaton sent a Keaton sent a lot of mixed emotions via emoji. I like Julian shaking Dan. his head. I yeah. okay, so I like Steely Dan and I respect Steely Dan, but I do not know that much about them, and I couldn't okay. say I like listen to them that much. Also, so, I think they suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So, you know, they're a very misunderstood group, especially nowadays. If you hear Steely Dan song, like so many of them are played on classic rock radio, like Reeling in the Years, for example, or Hey 19, so many others. Um, they, they can be very misunderstood and they were misunderstood in their day as well. You know, we refer to them as a band, but really it wasn't, they were never really a band. It was um, more of a, a a uh, project of two the two main writers um donald fagan and walter becker um but uh they were they're, they're these like pretty erudite well-educated pretentious east coast like coastal elite new york guys who met um in college 
in the sixties and started writing music together then. And then um, they were basically writers. They worked with different bands and then, and stuff too. Finally, they were kind of like discovered by a producer. They went to LA started kind of, they put, they started writing songs and they released um, their first album, which was called can't buy a thrill in the early seventies. And so, yeah, it was really like just a writing project between these two college buddies and um, it was brought in by studio mu- or uh, completed by studio musicians um, or session musicians, I should say. Anyways, so I could go on about the Dan forever and just kind of what a weird group they were. But the album specifically that I'm reviewing today is Gaucho by Steely Dan. Um, it was released in 1980. It was the band's seventh studio album. And their, the last album they recorded together before taking a 20-year hiatus. Um, so, you know, through, uh, yeah, I think it is their seventh. So, you know, through the 70s, they recorded six albums. This album was recorded over two years, pretty much, and um, finally released in 1980, in, in November of 1980. Um, and it is without a doubt my favorite Steely Dan album. I have kind of a funny uh, historical um, or a personal attachment to the record because in the summer of 2016, I was driving my dad's car. And for whatever reason, the only thing I could listen to in the car was the CD player. And the only CD I had that entire summer in the car was Gaucho by Steely Dan. So literally from like April of 2016 through September of 2016, I listened to Gaucho every single day, usually like twice a day all the way through. So it, it um, I, I, I maybe know this album better than any other album in the history of the earth. Um, <laughs> and uh, even with that, I still... Uh, it's a near perfect album for me um it's let me get the track list here real quick you guys yeah it's seven songs so pretty concise album um i'll read the track list real quick babylon sisters classic hey 19 classic glamour profession classic gaucho didn't get the airplay as the first three songs but classic Time Out of Mind, probably objectively best Steely Dan song ever written. Six song, My Rival, classic. Seven song, Third World Man. Not my favorite song, but still fits in with the album very well. Um, but anyways, so like I said, it took them two years to record this. Um, and they were like plagued. Again, like I said, my first out review was that Suede album. Uh, similar thing here where they were just plagued by so many personal um, you know and then personal issues and then issues like within the band with relationships in the band they were like tons of studio musicians or session musicians were brought in and then fired Walter Becker became like a dope fiend during this time and you know he's like kind of the most uh, a super nerdy like erudite guy who no one would ever suspect to develop like a crippling heroin addiction um he was hit by a car at some point during the 
recording of the album. Um, one of the songs that they were going to work on, um, it was called The Second Arrangement. So they had been working on it forever. It was going to be on the album. And one night, late at night, when they were listening to it, um, the, the engineer accidentally erased three quarters of the tape. So they lost <laughs> the entire uh, that entire song and it never ended up making it on the album. And Thank then, God you know, for Pro Tools, bro. Yeah, oh I was gonna say, that, the last time that happened was so long ago. Yeah. I think the perfectionist quality that they've had through all the recordings was even though this song in a way it's a lot they it's a, it's more minimal and simplistic than other albums like there's not as much going on but it definitely has still that like extremely sterile and perfect steely dan production value so sterile I, I or brought, sterile yeah i guess i am saying that it's sterile 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 <laughs> i kind of like um, it <laughs> yeah sterile apologies Anyways, that's uh, my review of Gaucho, one of my favorite albums of all time, and an album that means a lot to me. I'll hand it off to the next guy. What's your waxy review? Or rating, sorry. Uh, 9.7. Ooh. Damn. Wow. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. good. Hell yeah. Uh, Keaton? I thought I would highlight somebody um, locally that I met through working at the music district or like doing some shit there. And, um, his name's Mike Davis. And I mentioned one of his albums, I think before, um, but so that was, um, from chess at breakfast. This is something he mixed. Um, uh, that's a band out of Fort Collins called the nightshades and, um, he's doing a whole album for him. So I thought I'd highlight one song cause I don't think the whole album's out. Um, but uh anyways yeah it's um yeah new reason is one of my favorite songs and yeah so i just thought it'd be cool to talk about like more local people once in a while and highlight people that are um a little bit more up and coming so yeah um the mix is incredible it's kind of like a uh a little bit more reserved and you know there's a lot of uh kind of argument as to where or how loud you should make a song and it's kind of refreshing to hear an engineer and like kind of completely ignore that and just you know um make the sound like loud enough giving everybody their own room and um i would love to take that song and do an luf best meter and see how loud it is because um i don't know it's just like it's a refreshing way to uh release music maybe not something that would be perfect for us but very fascinating and uh yeah so i would give it like out of five waxies i give it like a solid 4.7936 out of five yeah um so the album that i did this week um i i'm glad i did a newer one um <clears throat> because I don't know. I, I know I asked the question, like how do you discover new music, but um, really a lot of the thing, like stuff that keeps me excited about music is just like new music. That's super different. And like, kind of like, unlike anything I've ever heard before. 
Um, so that's kind of what I went with this week was a record that is really like genre bendy and just like kind of outside of all normal categorization of music. Um, <clears throat> the record is called uh, Ultra Pop. It's by a band called The Armed. Um, I'm going to share my screen so that you can see the artwork because I personally think this artwork is super captivating. Um, I don't really know why I feel that way other than it's just like a really good image that's very well processed. Um, <clears throat> it kind of like tells a lot about the story of the album because the album is like a very unified front and very solid concept, but it is kind of like stories are a mishmash and it's kind of all over the place story-wise. Um, it was made in 2021 or sorry, it was released in 2021, uh, released April 16th. Um, it's categorized as post-hardcore slash noise rock, um, but it doesn't really have too much uh, post-hardcore element. In my opinion, it's mostly just noise rock, which a lot of people, obviously noise rock is kind of a up and coming in like newer genre. <clears throat> it's not really as based in like traditional song structure, structure, like first chorus, first chorus. It's a lot more just like, uh phrase based so bigger phrases um that connect in maybe more sporadic ways um it was produced by a man named dan green who's also the front man of the band the armed but the the armed is actually a pretty interesting group because they're not like an actual band that like is like public um pretty much all of their musical contributions are like fully anonymous so <clears throat> a lot of the people that like contributed to this album aren't like named or known or like interviewed in any way um it's all like really secret and not secret in the sense that they don't want people to know it's just secret in the sense that uh the band is like kind of trolling everybody and like not really telling anyone who's actually involved in the project um, so that's kind of interesting because I mean, most of the time when people make art, like half the reason why I feel like they make it is just so that they can be like, Hey, I made this, but with this band, it's not like that at all. They just make art and put it out. And like, they're not really about the, um, the, the personal side of it. They're just about putting out music. That's super different and genre bendy and that's exactly what this record is um it mixes a lot of <clears throat> like noise rock elements like i mentioned with just uh really like bombastic and beautiful like pop inspired melodies and pop inspired like drums and programming it's got some <clears throat> points on it where it's like super glitchy and like just really like hard to digest honestly because it's so chopped up and non-linear and from a musical perspective but those points on the record always lead to like a very huge and like oftentimes really beautiful um like almost chorus or just like extended phrase of like release after like really long periods of buildup of like angst and just like almost what feels just like total apocalyptic, like dismemberment in some spots. Um, and so just because of the fact that it's kind of anonymous in musicality, like 
uh, people that played on the record. And it's kind of anonymous as far as like who did all of the producing. Um, I feel like it's just really easy to look at the music as its own like capsule of something without putting it to like any artist, uh, which is kind of the first time I've really had that experience with the record. Normally when I listen to a record, it's because I already know of the artist or like have an idea of the artist or what they sound like. But for this, I really went in like totally blind when I discovered it. And what captivated me was just how instantly different it was. And it's, it's got some moments where it's just so beautiful and full and just bombastic and cheerful. And then it's juxtaposed by moments that are just insanely heavy and like insanely uh, choppy and like rushed and almost like scared and, and frantic feeling. Um, so yeah. And another word that I had for it was just euphoric. There's a lot of moments on it that are just really like truly like happy and full um and and euphoric as fuck so um kind of what it boils down to is just like very hard shell noise rock record that has a lot of underlying really beautiful and like uh pop rock inspired moments throughout um and i have like a list of key tracks but i kind of like what colin does just going through the track list um because for this record all the songs are like kind of different, but also tie back to the whole universal concept. And so each song deserves like a shout out. Uh, the first song is ultra pop, which is the title track. Um, and it's got a lot of like really driving synthetic bass that opens up into just some really driving, uh, like almost post hardcore rock and then all futures, which is really the first song on the record that kind of mixes, um, like pop rock like 2000s pop rock with uh the modern noise rock elements um and then a life so wonderful which is just like a, a pop rock banger to be honest and then my favorite song on the album which is called an iteration um which is really like punky feeling like post-hardcore elements but then leads to again just like a really huge and beautiful um chorus and this is the only song that has like repeating choruses um and then big shell which is just like really doomy screamy noise rock song which i fucking love um <clears throat> average death which again kind of ties back like the beautiful pop elements into it and then faith and medication which is another just like noise rock banger uh where man knows want uh, probably like a, uh, emotional peak on the album. I would say at the very end of the song, uh, has like the clearest words and the most connectable message. Uh, and then real folk blues, bad selection, and the music becomes a skull is the last song. And all those songs together bring back the noise rock elements pretty, pretty strong. Um, but it ends on again, just like a really uppity, um, euphoric note. So I give this record a solid eight waxies out of 10 and I would highly recommend it to anybody who likes music that is just not traditional by like any means. Um, <clears throat> and then just to close it off, um, the production on the record throughout is like, again, just phenomenal. Like 
I don't know how they got so many things to all be like audible at the same time um, from like huge pounding drums all the way up to like floaty airy synths on the top. You can hear like everything. It all sounds so clean and it's not too loud of a record, even though it is like a noise rock record, which is a hard thing to pull off because most noise rock records leave you with a headache but this one really is just like perfectly produced and mastered start to finish so huge shout out to the anonymous collective that made this and uh i hope they keep fucking going That's awesome good. Man. good review thank you i've uh, i've seen that imagery online and I, yeah that uh album does pop a lot so i'll listen to it it's kind of crazy like i mean <laughs> I knew about the armed and I had listened to some of their stuff, but I saw that artwork on like a album review, I think online. And, and I was just like, okay, I want to know what this sounds like because it's <clears throat> a pop influenced cover. Like I would say without a doubt that reminds me of like a lot of the like earlier pop rock and like just pop that I grew up with. Um, but it just had like some kind of weird edge to it where it was just like different from that major pop feel in some way. Anyway, I'm rambling now, so no, we can wrap her up. I've, I've been loving the album reviews. They've been fantastic. And now that we've done four sods and, you know, each time I kind of just picked whatever we wanted to, I was thinking it might be cool to start the, narrow them so we're like each week we can kind of pick a theme for the album review um so like either by decade or genre or even like maybe some weeks we can all review um the uh a a different album from the same artist you know we can we can pick ahead of time all right right, would you guys be into that um potentially that that's cool. Oh, no, yeah, Julian, do you, do you want to just throw um, something off at the top of your head? Yeah, well, let's see here. Um, I think it would be cool if we all landed on maybe like a, a an era to start with, because that's not too specific. It leaves the door open still for us to pick something that we like a lot, but it keeps it in like a very specific... Um, like in a, in a way musical category because obviously there's like some shit that didn't exist at a certain time but there's also shit that like we all listen to i feel like at certain times that was like influential because of the time that we found it in so that could be cool too that element of it like <clears throat> pick an album from like you know to the 2000s to 2000 through 2010 that in like some way put some fucking hair on your peaches, turned you into who you are, made you a man. For next week's sode, come prepared with a review for an album released anytime between 2000 and 2009. Should we say that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Let's um, do 2010. Sorry, sorry. Just like make it easy. Okay. Good. You yeah. better have an you better now have an album from the year 2010 key <laughs> I won't. There is no fucking way. But yeah. I can think of I mean, I feel like no, we could all I'm think just, of a couple. Thank you guys. It was fun. Yeah. Thank you, Julian. Good episode, guys. Yeah, Julian. Good lead, dude.
Thank that you. Was, that was a good time. Have a good night, boys. Good luck with classes this week, Keats. Yes, good you boys. too, man. Thank you. All right, guys. See you later. See you soon. Peace. Bye, guys. Bye. Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics.